in the back in the day, we were getting 20% or higher return on a lot of these deals. Those deals are just harder to find. And I think that the reason we had such high uh, crime issues was after the crash of the market, there was a lot of owners that just didn't care. They were in, they were in asset preservation stage. Um, you know, it was either lose their building or figure out a way to fill it up and cash flow it. So there's a lot of these buildings that they just did quit doing background checks and let anybody in there and just, Hey, pay me whatever you can for rent. Well, the challenge is that it's a snowball and it's hard to stop. As an operator, I know other investors are romanticizing multifamily investing, and I'm looking to learn from other investors' mistakes. I know you are too, and you found the right place. Welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. and welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. I've got Ben Willette back again. We were chatting and he's telling me about some cool stuff that happened at the property. And so we just wanted to jump back on and record a real quick episode. So Ben, let me get this straight. You have bomb squad, squat, SWAT, and 60 police officers or so. Talk to me about what's going on, man. Yeah, so there was a property that we bought in Tucson. And it was after... I think in the first month of ownership, I was actually down in Tucson and the constables are there serving an eviction and they went to open up one of the doors and a super strong chemical smell came out of that unit. And that constable was like, okay, this smells exactly like a meth lab. So, and she was actually having difficulty breathing with some of that, that chemical smell. And so she actually called 911. She's like, Hey, this is constable. So-and-so I'm here. Like I'm having um, trouble breathing. Um, I think it might be a meth lab. Well, as soon as she said that to 911, SWAT showed up, the bomb squad showed up, fire departments, ambulances, um, the hazmat crew. I mean, they had the whole block surrounded. And it ended up actually not being a meth lab. They had a bunch of chemicals in there. So I'm thankful that it wasn't a meth lab. But that property did have a ton of crime. So when we first bought it, I remember there was a, another problem at the property. And one of the... Um, supervisors for the police department came up to me. He goes, so, you know, so what's your involvement? I said, Oh, I work with the ownership group. He goes, why did you guys ever buy this property? He goes, this property has been a problem property for years and nobody has been able to figure it out. And I just told him, I said, Hey, this is what we do. This is what we love to do. We're very involved. Just, you know, watch us. And I think that property was getting anywhere from 70 to hundred phone calls a month to 911. So the cops were there multiple times a day. Now our crime is very low. Most of the stuff um, that we get is maybe a suspicious person on property that's walking through the property or some like domestic violence. Um, those are always going to happen at any property that you own. But we, yeah, we kicked out drug dealers, um, high level sex offenders. There was a prostitution ring in there. Um, you name it. I mean, that property had a little bit of everything and we ended up clearing all those people out. We've, turned over roughly 70 or 80% of the resident base there. And it's a complex or is 75 it? units. Okay. So did you know that this was the issue before you bought it? We knew it was bad, but we didn't know it was that bad. Cause it's funny when you walk a property, a lot of these criminals, they're actually on their best behavior. 
uh, where, you know, you're walking through units. A lot of the times they have their stuff cleaned up. They don't have the drug paraphernalia out because, you know, they have random people coming into their units. Most of these people like to work underneath the radar because they don't want to go to jail. And so we walked properly like, okay, you can get a feel. There were some people that were eyeballing us, asked us a lot of questions. Then you just mark down those units as potential issues. Um, there was definitely some worse people than we knew about, but we've done it before. Uh, the other property I was telling you about, there was a condo complex up here in, in Phoenix and um, it's in a neighborhood called Maryvale and 43rd Avenue and Thomas is two major cross streets. And when you looked at the crime map that had the most calls out of any neighborhood in Phoenix. And there was a condo complex. We were just wanting to help clean it up. So we started buying these condos one at a time. It was a 152 unit complex. We ended up owning over almost, uh, it was over a third of the units in there. Um, we're trying to get to half. And we actually got the crime to come way down. So that property was getting 200, 300 phone calls a month to 911. And it was like shots fired, um, drugs, crime, prostitution. Um, there was actually a family running um, uh, guns out of there. They were actually selling guns that had uh, serial numbers that were scratched off. So we were buying these units. And what we would do is we, when we, because as a condo complex, there's many different owners across this whole complex. So we'd buy a unit or when we're in contract to purchase it, uh, we had connections at the police department. We'd actually say, Hey, what do you know about this unit? And they would either tell us, Hey, we don't have any issues with that unit or, um, Hey, we want to do some undercover work. So then they say, give us a month or two after you own it. Don't kick them out. Let us go in there and do our undercover work and arrest these people. And yeah, there was one time there that they went to go do a gun buy and the undercover actually got surrounded. Um, and then the, so another officer showed up and there was like 10 people that came out of that unit and surrounded the officers and started you know, threatening them and yelling at them. So we went to do the eviction. We had um, 10 police officers plus the sheriff to do the eviction on one unit. Wow. So, I mean, how are you guys cleaning this stuff up? Is it the property manager? Is it your company coming in? Like, how is, how is this all working? So when we were doing the really high crime stuff here in Phoenix, we were self-managing because they were smaller properties. And so we'd just go in and, you know, we'd collect the rent ourselves. We'd do all the background checks to fill up the units. Um, because a lot of managers don't like to do that scary stuff because why would they go do that when they can go manage any other property in town? Um, I think the only way to really get a manager involved in that is to somehow incentivize them. Instead of paying them just the 4% management fee, maybe bring them in as part owner or do like a compensation package for an additional bonus once the property's cleaned up. Because you put yourself in their shoes when they're only making a couple thousand dollars a month on their management fee, what's their motivation to do that work? I mean, really, I wouldn't want to do it for that price. Um, but what we do is if we buy a property now, like an apartment complex is we're very involved. We've told the, the managers, if there's a, bunch of problems at the property, we'll come there and help with the evictions. Um, you know, here in Arizona, we're a second amendment state. Everybody's got guns here. So it's, it's no secret. We've gone to the properties and carried firearms because we've kicked, we had to kick some pretty bad people out. Um, and you know, I got a family, I want to go home at night. So, um, 
we, there's times we've had four or five of us from our company all carrying pistols to go do an eviction. <laughs> it's the wild, wild west in Arizona, man. But um, our properties now, we've scaled back at some of that crime. A lot of the investors don't love that stuff because they view it as very, very high risk for their capital. Um, the reason we did it in the past is some of these deals we were buying, I and mean, we were buying these condos that I was talking about at 43rd and Thomas for an average of around 18,000 per unit. And these were two and three bedroom condos around anywhere from 1,000 to 1,300 square feet. So they were huge. So we'd buy them for 18,000 bucks and we'd rent them for 800. So they cash flowed really well. Um, but it, the investors just, you know, in the back in the day, we were getting 20% or higher return on a lot of these deals. Those deals are just harder to find. And I think that the reason we had such high uh, crime issues was after the crash of the market. There was a lot of owners that just didn't care. They were in they were in asset preservation stage. Um, you know, it was either lose their building or figure out a way to fill it up and cash flow it. So there's a lot of these buildings that they just did quit doing background checks and let anybody in there and just hey pay me whatever you can for rent. Well, the challenge is that it's a snowball and it's hard to stop. So, were you buying in great areas? Just problem properties or were you buying in pretty rough areas as well? We've done both. Uh, we bought rough properties in rough areas. Um, and then we've also bought, you know, the roughest property in a nice area. Usually that's what we've been transitioning to now is go into a, you know, C plus or B minus neighborhood and look for the absolute worst property in that neighborhood because all the other owners already have decent properties. So if you can bring yours up, well, it's a lot easier um, lease up of the property because the neighborhood's nice. All the other surrounding properties are decent. There's no objections for people wanting to live at your property. But if you go into a really rough area and you have the nicest property in that area, the challenge is there's a, a ceiling on how high you can get for rents. And sometimes you might over rehab a building just financially where it, your return isn't where you wanted it to be because it costs you so much to re rehab these properties, but the rent just isn't there. So yeah, we, we say that we want the rough and the diamond. People always say the diamond in the rough. No, no, we want the rough and the diamond. <laughs> What's up guys. It's your host, Jerome. I just want to let you know, we launched Myers methods in the fall of 2019 with the ambition to inspire a new breed of multifamily investors. If you are interested in getting into multifamily or scaling your current business, hop over to our website at MyersMethods.com to grab your free four-step guide on how to get the ball rolling in multifamily. Now, let's get back to the episode. Wow. And so, did you, you know, in a previous episode, we talked about your kind of hybrid model where you've got a property manager and she's kind of like detached for these, are you using the same type of model or are you using a different model? So yeah, we were managing all of those remotely because um, we did a lot of smaller properties when we were doing the really rough stuff. When we first got into multifamily, most of our deals were between like six to 30 units. And, um, and then we started buying bigger deals. Uh, one of the deals in, in Tucson was uh, 74 unit. And we actually bought that one at 50% occupied um yeah it was 50 percent occupied at purchase we went down to 25 
out of or um, 25% occupied. So 17 units only out of 74. The reason we had to do that was we don't like to vacate that fast. As we talked about in the previous episode, there's that value of death. You're paying that mortgage payment every month. But that property, we put that in the budget. We were okay with negative cash flow year one and massive negative cash flow year one. But we had to get all those people out right away because it was hard to lease up these units if you have that challenging element at the property. There's a big thing about energy in a neighborhood. Some people think I'm weird for talking about it. But when you walk into a property, you can get a feel of what is the energy. Is it dark and gloomy? And if it is, people don't want to live there. Or is it you know vibrant? Is there families? Is there kids running around? That's what we like to see. We love renting the families because you see the kids in the, in the swimming pool. You see them on the, you know, the place. I love kids being outside. I've got four kids myself. And it makes me smile to see people you know, living in your properties and, and they're, they're happy living there. So that's why we've done those rough properties is that transformation of like, hey, we've made a difference in the neighborhood. We talk about this a lot. It's not just about making money. It's about making a community better as well. And, you know, if you do it one property at a time, you know, you, you can make a huge impact on the world. And so it's amazing that you guys have that focus because I, I don't think there's a whole lot of people in a space that are thinking that way. They're just worried about how much money they can make in pass flow, cash flow each month. And, you know, some of the passive investors don't care about anything, but you know, it, how does their retirement account look? So this is, this is, it is kind of a, a challenge because you know, obviously we're all in business to make money, but I think that if you are only in the business to make money, you start to lose your why you start to lose the purpose. And I think it becomes monotonous or, you know, it's, it's easy to start making mistakes because you, all you do is you're chasing money, chasing money, chasing money. What, what about in a time of uncertainty? That's where it's really fun. Like today, people keep asking us, why aren't you guys stressed about the market? And I said, you know what? I believe we'll come out of this fine. Will we hit one, three, six months of, you know, bad financial times? Maybe, but why not be positive through these times? And then just know that, hey, we've, we bought these properties. We've made a difference. We can go to bed at night knowing we've done all the right things and that's all you can ask for. That's all you can ask for. And I mean, looking being able to look yourself in the mirror and say you did the right thing is huge. You didn't have to step on anybody in order to get there. So kudos to you guys. I think you're doing it the right way for sure. Well, there was one other owner in Tucson that we didn't end up buying his building, but we were looking at it and it was interesting. One of the brokers, was getting annoyed because that guy was talking to all the residents and there was one that came out and says, Hey, are you the owner? And the guy said, yep, I am the owner. Uh, what's going on? And there was, um, a shower that they had to take off some of the tile to fix a valve and the management company that was there never put the, you know, that, uh, wet board and the tile back up to seal the, the, um, the shower. So that resident put a piece of plastic and taped it because she was concerned that every time she took a shower, she was going to damage the unit. I said, well, that's a good resident that um, she's, she cares. She doesn't want to intentionally damage it. Well, the broker made a comment of, man, I hate when this owner talks to all the residents because they always point out all the problems on a property and on a property too, I don't want to point out the problems. And Bruce turned to the, um, to the broker and says, why, do, why is there problems? You know, as an owner, I want to know about the problems. I want to know if the management company is taking care of the people living at our property. We walk our properties all the time. 
and we'll ask anybody we see walking around outside, you know, how's it going? How do you like living here? And, you know, if there's one thing we can do for you, what would that be? And we'll make notes. You know, we can't do everything that people ask for, but if we can start just chipping away little by little, you know, maybe it's a, the gate just isn't shutting right. Well, why don't we fix that gate? I don't live at the property. I don't know all these tiny issues all the time. So we like that feedback from the residents and we invite it. So how did you guys come to the kind of this philosophy and this approach? Because it's not common. Um, I think it goes all the way back to, you know, my grandpa telling that to my dad. I remember my dad taking me down to these neighborhoods as a kid. Um, when he, cause he, when he got in, I was pretty young and he always would remind me, he says, look at these kids in these poor areas. None of them chose to be born here, but they're here. They're a product of the, of the environment. They're all human beings. They all have a beating heart and they all have a conscience. So why not invest in these neighborhoods and try provide good housing to people that are less fortunate just because they don't have money doesn't mean they're not a good human being. In fact, a lot of these people, almost all of them are great, you know? And so I, I like that reminder. And my grandpa would always tell my father, so my dad grew up in the bakery business, the Willette bakery in, in Minnesota. And my grandfather would always remind everybody in the business, never be too proud to pick up a broom. Cause what he meant by that is if there's, an issue, fix it. If you're walking the property and you see a piece of trash on the ground, just pick it up, throw it away. Don't go find the maintenance guy to go tell him to go pick it up. Just pick it up. Don't be too proud. Don't, don't say that I'm the business owner. Everybody else has to do this for me. No, we're all in this together. And I think that's it trickles down from Bruce as the owner, always reminding all the people at Bakerson. He reminds the managers and he reminds the residents. You know, he tells them too, Hey, this is your home. Let's all take care of it. That's amazing. I love it. And then the generational story that goes with it is awesome as well. Absolutely. Ben, any other thoughts you want to share with the listeners before we jump off? No, I think that's it. I mean, um, I, well, actually, I, I will. One thing that we always um, end our business with is leave all things better than you found them. So I'll end it with that. Everything you do, leave all things better than you found them. Beautiful. Hey, guys, really appreciate you listening. If you like what Ben has shared with you, you can reach out to him on LinkedIn. He's also been kind enough to share his cell phone and email address that's in the show notes. And until the next time, the pack's with you. Talk to you soon. Talk to you later. You made it to this juncture, so you really love what we shared on this episode of Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review. And share this with somebody who's interested in multifamily investing. Until the next time, the pack is with you.